Good morning, church. It is so good for me to be with you guys all this morning. Being up here, I can see so many beautiful faces. It's really, really cool to see you guys. And so my name, my name, not like Ralph said earlier, but my name is Rodney Judo Priro. Let me teach you guys how to say that. It's going to be three, three different things. So Judo, Pra, Riro. Now put those things together. Judo Pra Riro. Nice. And so what I do is that I serve in the amazing youth ministry up here. And, and so I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be serving in that way. And so this morning what I want to talk about is, is our feelings. Let's get into our emotions. Let's talk about it. You know, as people, as people, we often talk about our feelings, right? You know, when we pray, you know, when we pray, it kind of goes along like this. Like, dear God, I feel this. I also feel this. Dang, I also feel this. But God, can you help me not feel this way anymore? And then when we hang out with friends, we often talk about how we feel about our life and our relationships, right? And so, you know, a lot of us as people, we feel a lot. And so this morning, you guys could be feeling all kinds of different things, right? You know, uh, this morning, can I give a big shout if you guys are feeling good? There you go. There you go. Sometimes, you know, maybe this morning you might even feel a little angry. Maybe, maybe on the way to church, you know, somebody cut you right off on the road trying to get to church and you were running late. You know, and then that can cause some emotion to come up where you feel angry. Maybe you might be feeling a little sad. Maybe something happened this weekend where you feel, where it caused you to feel a little sad about something, where you felt like you lost something. Or you might even feel anxious this morning. You might even feel a little fearful. You know, whatever it is, I am so glad you're here with us this morning. Amen? Amen. And so, you know, we are all feelers. Right? And we are people full of emotions. And honestly, some more than others, right? And to be honest, you know, I am one of those people that are full of emotion. You know, people that know me in this room can attest how emotional I am. Right? And, and, and so, that's when the church said amen. Right? And so for me, you know, um, I remember when I was a kid, when I was in middle school, uh, when I was in seventh grade, my dream was basketball. You know, I was, I was decently good at it, and I had a plan. Guys, I had a plan. My plan was to go to high school, Alhambra High School, and for me to win the state championship for Alhambra, for California, and then move on to go to UCLA and play for the Bruins. I know we got some SE fans here, but I was a diehard UCLA fan because of their basketball. From There you go. And then from there, I would only be there for one year because I was so good. Because I was so good that I would get drafted to the Los Angeles Lakers. And just be living my dream. Yeah. But I'm here today. 
I am just, but I'm glad. I am glad I am here today. You know, but the point of that is I remember, you know, you know, wanting to go to UCLA, and I was in seventh grade. And, and uh, I was in seventh grade, it was funny. You know, there's a, uh, what do you call those things? Uh, parent-teacher nights, right? Yeah. yeah, those were never good for me. I wasn't that kind of student. And I remember going into these parent-teacher nights. One night, one particular night, you know, my parents were meeting with the teacher, and my teacher said something like, yeah, Rodney, he can't go on this field trip. The field trip was to go to check out the campus of UCLA. Yeah. And, and I remember, you know, I remember uh, hearing that and, and just feeling like, what? And my heart just dropped. And they were talking about how I couldn't go because I had to catch up on my schoolwork and how I should stay back instead. But me, being an emotional person, I remember just crying. Oh my goodness, I remember crying so much in front of everybody in school. It was pretty bad. <laughs> I remember crying, you know, and then, and then everybody felt bad for me. You know, all the teachers kind of, I think I remember them coming to comfort me and stuff. And then I got to go. <laughs> so... To attest how emotional I, I, I am. Right? Right, the, the moral of the story if you want to go somewhere, cry about it and you'll get there. Just kidding, just kidding. Don't, don't write that down. Don't write that down. And so, as people, as people, even though we have lots of emotions, even though we have lots of emotions, the sad thing is that, you know, in our society, we often view emotions as a negative thing. Is that right? Yes. And especially those emotions of anger, sadness, fear, shame, disgust, and guilt. And to be honest, sometimes... This is, this is a thing that sometimes even I do. Sometimes we, we tend to avoid the people that are feeling that way. Yeah. Right? We, we see someone that's feeling bad and negatively about themselves. And we tend to avoid ourselves. We don't, we don't want to hang out with them. I'm not, I'm not really feeling your vibe. You know... We sometimes, you know, when we feel or when we see someone and we view them as someone that's struggling with, you know, either depression or an anxiety, you know, we can automatically label them as someone that's struggling in our church. We can often label them as not spiritual. And then... You know, this is, this is the, 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 the funny part. We can be like, oh, that's, he's an introvert. Like, something's wrong with that. <laughs> and I think, you know, the problem with us is that we can easily dismiss, dismiss those people. We can easily disregard those that are going through those things. And then the thing is that when it comes back to us, when we see these kind of actions, when we, how we treat those people, you know, when we start to feel those negative feelings, 
we ourselves feel a little guilty and shameful for feeling sad, fearful, or, or, or depressed, or guilt, or whatever it is. You know, because we see how society treats them. We don't want to feel those things, and we start to hide. And, you know, first of all, I don't think this is what Jesus taught. I really do not think that Jesus taught us to hide. I really think that Jesus taught us to love others. To be there for those that are struggling. Can I get an amen? Amen. And so, if we view it in that way, let me ask you guys a question. Then why are emotions seen as a weakness? Why in our society are emotions seen as a weakness? In fact, we have an emotional God. We have an emotional God and God created us to be emotional beings. You know, there's, there's scriptures on it. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it talks about how we are created in God's image. We are God's painting. And in Genesis chapter 5, verse 1, it talks about how we are created to be like God. And so if we, if we have emotional God, and God created us to be like Him, we ourselves are emotional beings. You know, and if you need proof of that, I got proof for you. You know, in John chapter 3, verse 16, um, you know, it talks about how God loves. How God so loved the world that He gave His one and only what? Son. There's also scriptures about how God hates. In Proverbs 6, verse 16, it talks about how God, there, there are six things that God hates. And seven things that are abominations to Him. And He's talking about the unrighteousness, the sins. And then in Exodus verse 20, or chapter 20, verse 5, it talks about how we have a jealous God. How we should not worship other gods because we have a jealous God. And then in Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17, it talks about how we have a God full of joy who's going to rejoice with us. And in Genesis chapter 6, verse 6, it talks about how God grieves. How God grieves. And so God feels these things. And God created us to be emotional. And I don't think He ever intended us to hide from our emotions. And if anything, I think God wants you and I to fully experience our emotions. And I'm not talking about the emotions that control us. The emotions that consume us. And it's like, I I don't have a choice. I feel this way. You know, I'm talking about the emotions that can serve us to have a deeper relationship with others and with God. And so, there's there's a saying that a lot of you guys know. And it's a saying about how emotions make a horrible master, but a great servant. Emotions make a horrible master, but a great servant. And how many of you guys have heard that or can agree to that, to that quote? Okay, some of us are in here. But, you know, emotions, they, when they, we allow them to control us, 
you know, they become our master and, you know, we base our faith and everything on our emotions. But that's not what God tells us to do. Not to base things on emotions that are fickle, that can come and go. But to base our faith in God who is never changing and solid. And so I, I believe that God created us to have emotions. You know, He created us to have emotions to feel, to love, to be happy, to be sad, to be mad at times, and ultimately feel what it feels like to have a deep, intimate relationship with God. And this morning, you know, what I want to do is I want to look at the four, I believe, the four core emotions. And the four core emotions are Anger, sadness, fear, and joy. And how we can experience each emotion and how they serve us into deepening our relationships with one another and with Christ. And so the first, the first emotion, let's talk about anger. Let's talk about it. You know, what is anger? Anger is a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility. I don't know about you guys, but I know what anger feels like. Yeah. Anger is a, is a trigger. It's something that if you get pushed, you will feel it. It's an impulse. Yes. Right? Yes. You know, I, I know what it feels like to be angry because in my personal life, you know, I, I don't really have a great relationship with my own father. I don't. That, you know, that's just the truth. You know, growing up, I, I was physically abused and verbally abused, and, you know, whatever, with, you know, that's my relationship with him. And growing up, you know, I, I, I hated him. To be honest, I, I really hated him. There was so much anger. And I remember, you know, I think the anger got to a point where, where at nighttime I would have nightmares. I would have nightmares of, of, of killing him. And I would wake up. I would wake up, guys, I'm telling you for real, like, I would wake up feeling like I actually did it. And this isn't one time I'm talking about. I'm talking about many times in my life where I've dreamt that dream. And I think, you know, anger, it, it really can consume us. And I remember times when, when he got mad. And just looking at his face, it was an impulse. Something turned on. And I was full of rage and I wanted to fight. It was automatic. There was no decision. There was no thought. It was just feel, go. And that's the truth about anger. How many of you guys have gotten angry before? Almost, yeah, it should be all of you guys, right? I'm, I'm glad you guys have felt that. And so let's look at a story where Jesus felt angry. Let's go to John chapter 2, verse 13. Give me an amen when you guys get there. So in John chapter 2, verses 13 through 17, it reads... When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found men selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at the tables exchanging money. 
So he made a whip of cords and drove them all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. You know, I think Jesus was pretty creative in in grabbing the cords and making it a whip. Right? And in verse 16, it says, To those who sold doves, he said, Get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? And so this Passover that it's you know taking place at was the annual Jewish Passover. It was a requirement for all Jewish men from everywhere to go into the temple to worship God. Whether you are Jew or Gentile, because the interesting place is that where they took where this had taken place in the temple, it was made specifically for the Gentiles to worship God. It was made specifically for the Gentiles to worship God. And when Jesus saw this, you know, when Jesus saw this, it's he immediately felt the anger because he saw that the place of worship became a flea market. The place where you're supposed to worship God became a place where they sell, sold their goods. But these, their intentions weren't bad. You see... What they sold were animals to be sacrificed in the temple. Makes sense, right? And it talks about how people were exchanging money there. And since you're coming from different places, you needed to exchange money so you can pay for what you needed to buy what you want, right? So it it totally makes sense. But the thing is, you know, it became worldly. It became worldly and it sabotaged people's ability to worship God in a peaceful, holy place. And I think when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. Can you say indignant? And so indignant is a righteous kind of anger. You know, it was a righteous kind of anger because I think he had this because he had a deep relationship with his father. You know, he had a deep relationship with his father and when he saw injustice being done to his father, he got indignant. With us... Sometimes we can get mad because our loved ones experience injustice. And I think that's what happened there. But I think anger, anger is an interesting topic, right? You know, we got to be careful with anger. And so let's look at it some more. In James chapter 1, James chapter 1, verses uh, 19 through 20. In James chapter 1, verses 19 through 20, it says, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteousness life that God desires. And so it talks about James here, he talks about how we should be slow to anger. And we should be quick to speak. A lot of us know that we can't, we can't, we can't speak and be angry at the same time. And we can't be patient at the same time. So one of them's got to give, right? And so this life, you know, this angry life is, is not what God desires for us. And let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. 
Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 through 27. Give me an amen when you guys get there. So in verse 26, it says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. I feel like this applies to the married couples. (laughs) Not just, but you know, you are sleeping next to your spouse and you don't want to be angry. And then it says, and do not give the devil a foothold. So it's saying that when you are angry, you know, the possibility of sinning is great. And so when you sin, you give devil, the devil a foothold. And not, you know, and the Bible calls us not to do that. But it's hard, right? You know, it's hard not to sin in our anger. You know, sometimes when we get, when we get angry, you just want to strangle somebody. Right? You just want to, I want to hurt you. You know, so I, some of the ways we show our anger is, you know, we want to fight someone. We want to yell. We want to hurt someone. But anger is a dangerous, is a dangerous emotion. But I think God allows us to feel anger for a reason. You know, anger, anger has its benefits. Anger, it helps us set boundaries when we feel threatened. So what does that mean? Anger, you usually feel angry when the boundary is crossed. With your relationship with your wife or your husband, you might get angry because something that she did or he did might have crossed a personal boundary of yours and and it can trigger you to become mad. Same thing with, with our... Friendships, it's the same thing. And so, you know, we, when we feel those things, we should set those healthy boundaries. We got to help, help ourselves by setting those healthy boundaries when we feel those anger, that feeling of anger coming up. The second thing that anger benefits you, and I think this is probably the most important part, is that anger can point you towards unresolved internal issues. And so what that means is that, you know, anger oftentimes, it can be either a primary emotion or a secondary emotion. And what that is, when it becomes secondary, it means that, hey, whatever I'm feeling underneath, I don't want to feel that. It's easier to feel anger, so I'm going to choose to be angry. But when you're not really dealing with what is really going on inside of you, And you're not resolving the issue. And God, He can sometimes use anger to point those things out in your life. Whether it's with other people in your life, and He's telling you to reconcile with them, or it could be a deep wound that you have in your life that you need to resolve. And God is telling you to do that. The point about anger is to, you you know, we gotta, when we feel all these things, we gotta be slow to become angry. You have to allow yourself to work through anger to see the underlying issues, the issues that are deep inside. Let's move to sadness. Somebody's favorite? The little blue, uh, you know, animated inside out character? (laughs) She was my favorite too. I, I I identified with her. So what is sadness? Sadness is the feeling of unhappiness. It's the feeling of loss. 
You know, sadness is not a great feeling. None of us want to be sad. But I think it's important. I think because Jesus felt sad in certain times. And I want to look at a story where Jesus felt sad, you know, with the story of, of Lazarus. And so let's go to John chapter 11. You guys still with me? Yeah. All right, let's, let's do this. So John chapter 11, you guys there, verse 33? Okay, almost. I got a physical Bible. You guys have digital Bibles, come on. You guys there? All right, so John chapter 11, verse 33. It says, When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord. They replied, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how, how he had loved him. But some of them said, Could he not could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? That's a valid question. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But the Lord, but Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that, there may be belie- may be- that they may believe that you sent me. When he has said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And so we see here that Lazarus was a man that Jesus loved, right? He had a personal relationship, right? Mary and Martha personally pointed out that Jesus loved this man. And so we can see here that there was an exceptionally deep relationship between him and Jesus. And, and when Jesus had heard that Lazarus was dead, you know, he went over there, and it's interesting because he says that he, he, he cried. He cried, but why did he cry if he knew he was going to raise him from the dead? That, to me, doesn't, doesn't really make sense. You know, but I think Jesus, he was, if anything, he understood the importance of sadness. He understood the importance of the process of grieving. You know, I think Jesus, he was empathizing with them. You know, I think it's, it's so cool that we have a Lord that will go through this sadness with us. You know, it, he saw Mary and Martha crying. And there was probably more people there mourning with them. And when he saw that, I think he was compassionate. And instead of saying like, oh... Don't even worry about it. He's going to come up from the grave or whatever, you know? He was like, he he felt the sadness. And sometimes, you know, I don't think we take the necessary time 
to grieve or to be sad. Sometimes we are just so busy occupying ourselves, being productive, and when we feel sad, we don't want to feel that. And, and we dismiss the fact of it is important to grieve whatever you need to grieve. It is important to go through that process because you can't move on if you don't grieve, if you don't allow yourself to be sad, whatever it is in your life. You know, sadness is good for us. And we, don't, we need to stop looking at it as a negative emotion. Because sadness, it, it, it helps us through the grieving process. You know, when I, you know, I found a connection between Jesus, death, burial, burial, and resurrection, and the connection with Lazarus dying and coming back to life. And the, even the process of our emotions when we need to grieve. Because when we need to grieve, you know, we're losing something. We're dying to something. When Jesus, he died, he was buried, he buried, you know, he buried that grief, he buried that sadness, and he came back to life renewed. Same thing with sadness. You got to go through sadness so you can bury whatever it is and let it go and leave it behind so that you can come out resurrected and feeling renewed. And so the best way to deal with sadness is to bring God in. There's so many scriptures about bringing God in into your sadness. And in fact, in, in this, this story here, we see how God wants to be with us in our sadness. So we got to bring God in. And you got to talk about your sadness and to be able to grieve. Now let's move on to fear. This is my favorite emotion. (laughs) So fear, fear is my, you know, I have a long relationship with fear. You know, what is fear? It, It comes in the form of anxiety in my life. Fear is is caused by danger, whether it's physical or emotional. You know, fear is fear is fear. It's 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 tough to deal with. You know, I think Jesus he experienced fear in the Garden of Gethsemane, and so let's look at that real quick in Matthew, Matthew chapter thirty. I mean, twenty six, verse thirty six. You guys with me? Uh, 36 through 39. Awesome. So in verse 36 it says, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to feel sorrowful and troubled. You know, in other contexts in the book of Luke, it talks about how Jesus started sweating blood. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Verse 39, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And as we know in this story, we've read it so many times. Jesus prayed this how many times? Three times. 
Right? Jesus prayed three times. Have you prayed over and over for you to not feel something or not feel that fear or not do something because you didn't want to do it? You know, I remember a time when I was in Arizona. I was in high school when I was in Arizona. I went there uh, for vacation with my friend. And there's this place called Slide Rock Mountain. It's a super cool place. You guys should check it out. Um, but it has a natural water slide. It's, it's pretty gnarly. And, and there's a natural water slide. And me and my friend are going down, chilling, and having a great time. And we see some locals kind of like going off track, going to a different place. And we hear about this huge cliff diving area. And, and, and we're like, oh, snaps, let's go check it out. And so we went, and it, it was interesting because a lot of locals were there, and I had two options. There's one cliff that was about 20 to 30 feet high where you can jump off of, and there was another cliff that was about, I remember it being 70 feet, but I want to say maybe 50 to 70, that way I'm just, you know, being accurate. But I remember it being, yeah, just, you know, just to be safe, give me that, you know. Um, and so I remember it being... You know, people were talking, locals were telling me that it was about 60 or 70 feet, right? And I was like, uh. <laughs> and me being me, I was like, ah, whatever, I'm just going to do the tall one, right? And I remember like, oh, all right, you know, going there, and I was like, uh, dear God, please take this away from me, you know? And I was like, all right, all right, let's go. Again, you go first. You go first. And I remember my friend being there, and he didn't want to do it. And he, I think, I don't even remember if he did even the 30 feet one. But I eventually, I spent 30 whole minutes, 30 whole minutes thinking about, man, should I do this? But my thoughts were, I am afraid of heights. I don't want to do this. Not only that, there was a stat. That one person died annually from diving this cliff. Yeah. And so you can imagine all the fear that went inside of me. But eventually I was like, you know what? I'm in Arizona. I've never been here. Whatever. Let's do this. And so I remember just getting ready. I don't think I ran towards it. But I definitely like hooked and jumped. You know, sometimes in life, we got to jump straight into our fears. Sometimes like whatever we're afraid of, we got to go straight at it and face it. Sometimes we got to take that leap of faith. We, whatever your cliff is, you got to jump off. You got to go. Right? That wasn't 70 feet, but you know. Close enough. And then I went five more times. I left with some bruises, but I was brave. And so with fear, most of us can hide from our fears. You know, we, when we start to feel afraid, you know, we want to retreat. We want to we wanna run away from that. But the thing about that is that sometimes when we're so afraid of feeling anymore, we can become emotionally numb. Yeah. Right? We can be emotionally numb. And with today's day and age, we all have what? Devices. A screen. 
We all have a screen to distract ourselves. We all have a television show to watch. I want to watch Game of Thrones. I want to watch Riverdale. Or whatever it is. But the thing is, when we're here, it blocks us from here. And when God, God wants us to connect. God wants us to face our fears. There's an amazing quote from a book that um, the, the, the awesome singles ministry, the awesome thriving singles ministry, that, that you know, we, we read a book, we had a book club, and in from this book called Emotionally Spiritually Maturity, uh, the other way, you know what I'm saying? Alright, so, this quote says, this quote says, to feel is to be human. To minimize or deny what we feel is a dis- distortion of what it means to be the image bearer, barriers or bearers of our personal God. To the degree that we are unable to express our emotions, we remain impaired in our ability to love God, to love others, and to even love ourselves. Yet, as we saw in the previous chapters, our feelings are also a component, a component of what it means to be made in the image of God. And to cut them off out of our spirituality is to slice off a part of our humanity. And so, this, you know, God wants us to feel. He wants us to feel again. He wants us to stop numbing ourselves from whatever we're afraid of And He wants us to go after it and to feel the emotions that we need to feel so that we can be whole again. Fear. There's good things in fear. It's healthy. There's a healthy kind of fear of the Lord, right? Fear, it it warns us of danger. And my favorite is without fear, there is no courage. You cannot be brave without being afraid. You cannot be brave without being afraid. And with that, you know, intimacy, it, it being intimate, being close with God or somebody else, it requires you to be vulnerable. It requires you to be courageous. Yeah. And I don't have a lot of time left. In fact, no time, but I just want to mention, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I just want to mention, you know, the last thing is joy. Right? The last thing is joy. We all want to be happy. Right? What is joy? Joy is love. Joy is hope. You know? And I'm going to summarize here real quick. But in Luke chapter 15, you guys can read it by yourselves. In Luke chapter 15, verse 11 through 24, Jesus talks about the lost son. And how a dad, and he had two sons with lots of money, you know, gave his sons an inheritance. The youngest son, what he did with the money, he wilded out. He took that money and went to wherever he wanted to go and spent that money. Eventually, he felt like, man, I ain't got no money left. You know, and so he realized, man, what am I going to do? I have no food, I'm starving, and I'm lost. You know, how we connect with that is that sometimes we can go through all these complex emotions and feel lost. We can feel lost in how we feel and not know what to do. But the thing is, in the story, when we, if you keep on reading, he goes back to the father. He goes back thinking, maybe I can be his servant and not his son. But what does the father do? The father embraces him with open arms. 
He says, come back to me, son. And he throws a huge party for him. Doesn't sound like it's, it's a joyful event, right? And so what happens there is that when we feel lost in our emotions, we can go to God and God's going to throw us a party in our minds or something, in our emotions. We're going to feel, right? We're going to feel joy. We're going to feel great. And I think joy comes with a relationship with God. You know, I think joy comes in a relationship with God. And to kind of close out here, um, you know, I think the greatest commandment is so key. Mark, Mark chapter 12, verse 3, it says, you know, the greatest commandment is to what? Love God with all your heart, heart mind, soul, and strength, right? But what I want to emphasize here is your heart, you know, because a heart is seen as an emotional part of us. You know, it's seen as an emotional part of us. And, you know, when we love God, we got to love God with all of our emotions, And that means to love God through our sufferings. That means to love God even though we are angry and we want to sin, but we can't. That means to love God through our sadness because we so have a God that wants to connect with us and be with us through our sadness. And that means to love God through our fears when we're going through the storms in our life. And that also means to be joyfully, to joyfully love our God with everything we got. And guys, everyone, we're all created as emotional beings. And so if we choose to acknowledge our emotions and to be present in them when they do come up and to be authentic and actually work through them, that's the key to having a deep, intimate relationship, not only with God, but with other people as well. And so to leave you guys with some practicals here, the first thing is that we got to be present with our emotions. We have to be present with our emotions when they come up. Oftentimes, we can want to neglect them. But no, we got to be authentic and, and be real about how we feel, especially at church. Amen. Sometimes it's too easy for us to be like, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. No, don't do that. You gotta, if you're feeling something, you got to be real about it. you got to talk about it. Stop lying at church. Stop lying at church. Second thing, we've got to ask for help. Yeah. Emotions is, is a complex thing. And not a lot of us can know what to do. But we've got to ask for help. We've got amazing counselors here. Whether they're certified or not, we've got amazing counselors here that can help us. <laughs> it's true. It's true. They didn't need a textbook to teach. Not, um, never mind. You guys are certified. You guys are great. So, so. Oh, oh, but we have people that can help us and we need to talk about them. We need to work through them. And lastly, we need, we need to pray. We need to pray through our emotions. You know, we looked at how God wants to be with us. So we got to pray. We got to invite God through them. And so with those things, I believe you can have a deep, lasting, intimate relationship with God. Amen? Amen. You guys are dismissed.